Hey there, friends. This is Holly Newton, and you are listening to the Exhale Podcast, where we have meaningful conversations that help us move forward in God's rhythms for our lives. And today, I'm welcoming author Bonnie Gray to the show. In her most personal book yet, Sweet Like Jasmine, Finding Identity in a Culture of Loneliness, author, soul care expert, and host of Breathe, the Stress Less Podcast, Gray empowers women to make peace with their past, deal with toxic relationships, and build a new story of faith and joy in their families, marriages, friendships, and relationship with God. Okay, friends, here's my conversation with Bonnie Gray. Bonnie, welcome to the Exhale Podcast. We are so excited that you're here today. Um, I was sent your book, and I have um, skimmed it front to back, and I'm hooked. So I cannot wait to get some time. Actually, next week, I'm going to have a couple of days of downtime, and it's on top of my list to sit there and go through. Your story is a beautiful story. And um, I just, first of all, just welcome Thank you. It's great to be here. We were just talking. You're in California and I'm in Florida. So we're on opposite ends of the coast. And I think it's amazing that we can connect like this and, you know, talk about um, your book and what God is doing. So um, I'm excited to dive in. Um, First of all, tell us a little bit about yourself for the audience that doesn't know you yet. Well, I was born in San Francisco, Chinatown. My mother was a mail order bride from Hong Kong, and my father was a busboy in a noodle shop. And um, here in San Francisco, I grew up kind of in two worlds. One was the world when I was at home, and then when I stepped through the door, it was a different world because um, it just seemed like my family background was so odd and weird. I just never wanted to tell anybody about it. I just wanted to fit in and be like everybody else and always trying to figure out what's normal Um, and especially when my father left, when I was seven, it's like, oh, great. There's another piece of my life. That's so different. My parents are divorced. And so when I went to church, you know, that was another place where I felt like that's a, I had to hide that part of myself as well, because it seems like at church, everybody had happy, beautiful families. And, you know, I didn't have a father and even parents that, uh, kids that maybe came from divorced families, their father, they would still see their father, you know, and he would come visit and things like that, but not my dad. Once he left when I was seven, I never saw him again. That had to be, um, I know without a doubt, really difficult. Um, and when, when things like that happen, it does shake our identity, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, I think that at the time it, it didn't shake it. It was more like I formed my identity as the strong one, as the encourager. I was just naturally optimistic. I'm the kind of person that, you know, was easily content, you know, in my family, it, it was kind of a toxic environment. My mother isn't a loving mother. She's very verbally kind of abusive and hard on me. And so like, I was five years older than my sister. I just took on that older sister taking care of others. Um, And so my identity was more formed by that difficult situation. And I had actually known God at a young age. I, you know, I came to know God when I was like eight years old, really young at an evangelistic meeting. I just heard the gospel and I just 
really felt drawn to God because I felt so lonely. I needed someone to help me. So, I mean, I knew God at a very young age. And so it wasn't until I was a mom myself. Right now, Holly, my kids are 13 and 15, Josh and Caleb. And I named them Josh and Caleb after the two spies that made it into the promised land. My husband and I, Eric and I, we named them that because we just wanted to start a new story. When we had our family, we wanted to leave a new legacy of faith. So we wanted to build a, you know, a loving family, a family that was kind and a happy place where we can, you know, build new memories. So my identity has always been the kind of happy, cheerful, encourager one. But what God was going to show me, you know, what, what, what happened, why I wrote this book is because God's going to show me all those parts that you hide about yourself that you think, you know, aren't, aren't really presentable, which is the sad parts of your heart, the parts of you where you privately struggled to where you felt lonely, where you felt, oh, I, I wouldn't want to talk about this because I don't want to bring people down. God was asking me to surrender to surrender those parts of my life and heart to him. He said, no, Bonnie, actually, those are important. Those moments where you, you felt like you just had to be strong and just get through it. God was telling me you needed, I needed to go back and, and um, I guess, deal with those pieces of my life. But it didn't happen until I was a mom myself. I was, I thought I finally made it. I was really happy. I finally found somebody who I felt loved me. Um, I was falling. I fought, I fell in love in my thirties. So I was single until I was in my thirties. And, you know, I'm a very cheerful person. Like I was saying, you know, I had lots of friends. I was involved in ministry. I was a missionary in my twenties. I was a Bible teacher at my church. Uh, I just love community. I love being around people, loving on others. But once I got married, I kind of breathe a sigh, like an exhale. And, you know, your podcast is exhale. It's like, whew, I finally made it, you know, out of this broken childhood, out of this broken past. Whew, I made it. So I was like, I now have my two kids. I just had my baby boy, Caleb, and I was so happy. And any mom that has been a new mom knows that once you have that second child, you need that second child to go to preschool. You need that break, right? So... I just was signing him up for preschool and you have to look for a, a book, a birth certificate because, you know, you got to sign that child up. So I was looking for his birth certificate and I accidentally, you know, came across my own. So I never read my birth certificate. Do you ever, when's the last time you looked at your birth certificate, Holly? Oh gosh, it's been a long time. <laughs> Like years. Yeah. You don't really, it's not something you go to typically. I think I had to do it in the driver's license office when I moved to a new state. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I, I used it to like prove my identity. I just kind of had the document and you just give it to the person. Right. Right. But I never really look at it, but that, that morning I remember, you know, stumbling on it and looking at it and, um, you know, I never really read it, but I noticed that I was born in a hospital called Chinese Hospital. 
I was like, what? Why is a hospital named Chinese Hospital? And it turns out that it's the only hospital in the U.S. that's named after a race, after ethnicity. Like, why is that? And so I became curious. You know, God's really, God's really wise. He's kind of cute because I wouldn't have wanted to investigate my past because it's so broken, but he made me curious. I was like, Ooh, what's this? And then I noticed that my mother, she was, um, she had me when she was 18 years old. She's a teenage mom. She didn't know my father. Um, you know, my, my parents, their marriage wasn't born out of love. You know, that's like another thing that's kind of, you know, sets you apart. And I think listeners, no matter what ethnicity or cultural heritage we come from, we all relate to that, you know, meaning what is our family like? What is our family culture? What's our family code? When we step out the door, we might feel like, oh, I can only present a certain part of myself. And so, you know, we kind of hide those different parts of ourselves. So up until that point, I, I felt it was good. I did good. I didn't need to tell anybody or talk about you know, the broken parts of my past. That's why I was telling you I was feeling like an exhale. But once I looked at that birth certificate, I was reminded that my mom was 18 years old. I was reminded of the past that I had to like overcome and get through. And um, it suddenly occurred to me, it never occurred to me before because when my father left it when I was seven, I didn't know where he went. And um occurred to me in that moment, my sons are going to grow up one day and ask me, where is grandpa? Why don't we have a grandfather? <laughs> where is he? And I won't know what to tell them. I wouldn't know what to say. And it wasn't until that moment I realized, gosh, what would I tell them? And I realized I can't tell them what my mom told me. Because the, mo the morning I, my father left, he was there at the door with the suitcases. It was very confusing for me. I just woke up, rubbing the sleep out of my eyes. And I was just not understanding. They were arguing, yelling. It was at the screen door that he was on his way out. And I'm just like crying, confused. And the last image I have of my father is him peeling out of the driveway with the tires screeching you know, leaving, driving off with this olive green Nova. And then I turned to my mom and said, where is Papa? You know, in Chinese, we call, you know, my mom, Ama. Ama, where is Papa? Where did he go? And she said, come over here. And she started pulling out the photo albums, our family photo albums, you know, from the from the console. And she starts ripping the photos out of the photo album. She starts cutting up his photos cutting up pictures of my father making sure to cut right into the middle of his face and as she's doing that she gives me a pair of scissors she starts start cutting start cutting up his photos and as we're cutting up all these photos they're all over the living room floor I was like oh my gosh I need to save one of these photos because they're all going to be gone and my mom caught me she's like what are you doing and I said oh I'm not in this photo you're not in this photo can we just keep one and she's like, why? Why do you want to keep one? Oh, you like him so much? Okay, fine. You can go live with him. And she drags me across the room. And she starts pretending that, you know, at the time I didn't know. She starts calling my father. I mean, I didn't know she was pretending. Obviously, now I, I know that's her way of scaring me. But she said, go pack your bags. 
go pack your bags. You love him so much. Go live with him. You're not, you're not wanted here. Get out of my house. So it was in that moment, Holly, I just stopped crying. I wiped the tears off my face and I said, no, I'm not, I, I won't ask anything anymore. Um, I want to live with you. I want to stay with you. No, no, no. I'm crying. And it was kind of in that moment. I just told myself, you know what? It doesn't matter where he went. He's gone. My mom doesn't want me to ask. She even told me later. She's like, later when you grow up, if you ever, if you ever go try to find him, you know, don't come back. Don't call me a ma. So that's kind of the way my mom handles things, which is if you don't have anything positive to say, you have nothing to add, just be quiet, go to your room. And so I just internalized that. I said, that's right. You know, what good does it do? And I kind of carried that into my adulthood. You know, anything that I couldn't change, um, anything that got me down and I kind of allowed it to affect my faith. Um, meaning I started relating to God that way, you know, unless I have something positive to say, something to add to God, add to his kingdom, serve him, serve others, help others. I really just put it to the side. Just, it doesn't matter. What matters is taking care of others. What matters is helping out is being encouraging. So it's more like my identity was formed in that kind of role. And so it wasn't until I found this birth certificate and it was, interesting my curiosity because i love a good story i love it you know i love reading books i love no novels i love a good page turner it was like kind of a mystery like you know what i think i need to find my father i need to find where he is why did he leave why he never came back for me and it initially started out because i wanted to find out for my sons because i didn't want i don't want to say to my son oh i don't know don't ask me I don't know. Don't ask me. And so that's just the way it is. I did not want to repeat what I grew up with, which is hidden parts of my life to pass on to my children. So I'm like, no, I'm going to break that cycle, the cycle of shame, which is silence. Good, bad or ugly. I'm going to go find out and I'm going to tell my children and like I said, it was interesting. God, um, you know, used my love for my children to then have me go back and investigate the past. Where is my father? Why did he leave? And in order to do that, I had to break a lot of taboos that I grew up, which is in my family culture was silence. Be quiet. Don't ask questions. Just get with it. Move on. So, you know, in that journey, and that's what this book is about, Sweet Like Jasmine, it's called Finding Identity in a Culture of Loneliness. It's kind of addressing the, con the, the idea of loneliness and in, you know, surrendering to facing the truth, the surrendering to not hiding, surrendering to not trying to like be strong all the time surrendering to say you know what i i am not doing that well i'm not i'm not that happy i i have you know trouble with my mom i have trouble with you know whatever it is you know listeners that you may be going through god wants us to surrender to his rest he wants to surrender to the truth not to say there's something wrong with us, just to say, this is human. This is, I, 
love you. I understand you. I don't want you to be alone. So, you know, if you were to look at me, Holly, um, you know, on the outside before I started this journey, you wouldn't think I was lonely. I have a loving husband. I have many wonderful friends. I'm very active in my church community. Um, I, you know, very active in ministry. And yet God sees our loneliness, doesn't he? He sees that when we hide what's going on, whether it's our marriage, our struggles in our health, our parenting, our finances, our parents, our in-laws, even in our church community, all those things we kind of keep private. I realize the word private is another word of saying lonely. So it's not to shame us, not to say it's, it's, it's negative. It's normal. It's human that we don't want others to look down on us. We don't want them to judge us. And so we figure the best I can do is just to be tough and just pray, keep it private and, God's saying to me through this journey and to all of us, we weren't made to be alone. We weren't made to struggle on our own. We weren't made to hide our imperfections, whether it's in the relationships we have to navigate or the struggles. We often want to wait until the pink bow at the end, you know, things are resolved, but most of life is not resolved. The hardest things in our lives are take time, it might be weeks, months, days, years. So, you know, it's very lonely if, you know, most of the things we can't resolve, we just keep hidden. And we feel we don't have anything to offer until I guess things are resolved and things look good. So what do you think? I've been talking a lot. <laughs> no, I am just listening and it resonates so strongly with me and um, what we talk about in the Exhale Women Ministry space, um, the isolation, um, appearances, striving, trying to keep it all together. Those are some of the reasons the Lord birthed this ministry, what started out as um, just a Bible study in my home, was bringing just a few women together to talk about real life, to talk about what does God say about it, and just a safe place to, to just lean in and drop the mask, drop the walls. So, what you're saying is, you know, really resonates with me. And um, what a story you have. You know, I'm I'm terribly sorry that you had to go through that as a child, but how kind is God that he would meet you out of your love for your son to say, hey, let's talk about how I feel about you. And I want you to bring the hard and the heavy, and I want you to exchange that for my love and my grace and my rest. That's just what I just you know, keep hearing as I'm listening to you that what a beautiful savior we have, right, Bonnie? Um, you know, we live in a highlight real world, R-E-E-L world, right? Um, and it is so easy for us, I'm going to say, especially as women, because that's who I speak with the most, <laughs> Um you know, it's hard for us as women sometimes to scroll and 
and look at what everybody else is doing or accomplishing. And it's, um, you know, too easy to go, ah, I'm not measuring up. And that's really not how God sees us. So, you know, you say, you know, from the outside, you looked like you were doing okay not even okay but great great yes great (laughs) yeah like no one would have guessed and so I just think it's so beautiful how how the Lord um approached you and your life and the intersection of that um so I have a couple of questions you've written yes this is your third book so you wrote whispers of rest finding spirit and finding spiritual white space um, and now, you know, here you are with this book, Sweet Light Jasmine. So finding identity in a culture of loneliness. I know you said it earlier, but I just, I love, I love the title and I love the tagline. Um, why do you think this book, why this book and why now, Bonnie? And, and how do you see the timing of God and its release? Well, I think that we're all looking for our identity. We all know that we are believers. We're God's child. We're um, God's daughter, but we are all seeking, but what, who am I? How am I different? How am I unique from others? And social media is part of that questioning because the key to social media is to stand out. So we're constantly trying to, you know, ask this question of ourselves, whether we're conscious of it or not. And that's why social media is actually very toxic. It keeps us hidden. Like, okay, well, anything that doesn't fit into that highlight reel, R-E-E-L, like you said, then um, I'm not looking for that. But yet our true identity is vulnerability. It's, 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 this is me. And I, I don't think that we have that you know, those spaces, to be honest, and that's why it's wonderful. You are meeting with women. That's, that's the main thing to combat this toxicity is we have to share our stories. We're all really longing to be known, really. That attention is really just saying like, I wish somebody would really know who I am. And I'm trying to find as I'm, you know, I'm speaking in the, you know, social media talk. Well, gosh, what can I, you know, what photo can I choose? You know, what kind of moments in my life can I choose to highlight? And yet God's saying, wait, actually all those ones that you're not highlighting, that's actually where you are. So why did I write this book and why now? I wrote it because I felt, gosh, um, I started having anxiety and depression. I never had it before. I got married later. I was telling you, Holly, in my life, I was already 40 by the time I had my second baby. So And I was very, I got to the point where, you know, I never experienced anxiety or depression up to that point. I was in that, you know, strong overachiever. I can do all things through Christ. I thought my faith was mainly used as like strength overcomer. And by God's grace, that was what he wanted to write in my earlier chapters. If if anybody listening has gone through a hard time, you're a survivor. Okay. Whether you're a warrior through, um, any kind of brokenness in your childhood or domestic abuse or alcoholism um, or, you know, infidelity, infertility. I mean, all those things that we go through as human beings, there is a time where we have to be strong. You got to just overcome. But God was showing me at 40, which surprised me because I started having experiencing anxiety and depression that um, 
that's not the only way to use your faith. That's not the only way to use our faith. We use our faith to nurture ourselves, to heal, to look at the pieces that at the time we were, we needed to be strong. We put it to the side, but the way mental health works, we're having anxiety and depression. It's not because we're failing. I learned that I had PTSD and I didn't know because I was, I, I remember sitting with a the therapist and I was very, um, you know, secretive about it because I don't want anybody to think I was seeing a therapist. Cause I thought if any of my pastors knew I was a Christian author, they'd be like, Oh my gosh, running away from me. Oh, I don't, I would Oh, you know, there's something wrong with you. That was like my worst fear. Is there something wrong with you? So for me to sit in front of the therapist, I said, Hey, I have anxiety and depression. I have insomnia. I'm having panic attacks. I don't know what's going on. I have a loving husband. You know, I was doing the whole drill. I have a loving husband. I serve God. I, I read the word. I pray. You know, I was listening to all these things that I usually did. And I said, I don't know what's going on. He's like, well, you have PTSD. I said, PTSD? No, I've never, you know, I'm not a soldier. I've never seen physical violence. And he said, well, did you know that emotional abuse? Did you know that verbal abuse has the same impact on your body, on your nervous system as physical abuse? And I, like my jaw dropped, you know, my drop. I was just like, what? No. And um, he said, well, you know, uh, when a person gets battered, they have bruises on their skin. But when you are verbally or emotionally abused, you have bruises in your heart. And um, suddenly I was like, you know, kind of like, again, curious, <laughs> but I was like in denial. I said, but I mean, I'm happy now. Why, why would it happen now? I mean, there's harder things that happened to me when I was a child. And he's like, well, did you know a soldier doesn't experience panic attacks when he's on the battlefield? He's strong. He's being resourceful. He's helping everybody. It isn't until he comes home when he's finally safe. When he's finally safe, that's when his body, his nervous system, the way God created our nervous system, it protects us when we're not safe. We don't feel the anxiety. We don't feel the depression. Okay. You know, my dad left and, you know, I don't know where he is. I'm wondering, you know, I grew up below the poverty line. I'm looking at our checking account, wondering, you know, how are we going to pay the bills next month? By God's grace, that nervous system he built strengthens us. We are shielded from it. You just figure out what to do and you get through it. But he was explaining to me, and I hope that encourages listeners. He's like, it's not because your faith is weak. It's not because there's something wrong with you now. It's because now you're in a safe place. You're in a loving relationship. Now you can finally, your body, your nervous system is relaxing. It can experience the um the trauma that you couldn't before so as i went and tried to investigate my past and to make peace with my past it's ironic it's when i started experiencing anxiety and depression and so i just wanted to write this book because i'm like if god helps me through my hard times by helping make me strong god is also asking me to use my faith to rest to nurture my heart to heal to look at the broken pieces, to, to find friends that I can feel safe with, to say, hey, you know what? These things happened to me in my past. So it's a total different faith journey, but it's just as worthy. It's just as beautiful. So I want women to feel empowered. I want women to feel, to know they are beautiful. They are 
not just accepted and, you know, welcomed, they are celebrated that your faith is amazing. All of us that are going through healing journeys, struggling, maybe right now you're thinking, gosh, I'm a mom. Why am I struggling with anxiety? You know, maybe some of us are the encourager and feel like I'm the one that helps others. I don't know how to help myself. And I want them. I want all of us to know that you're beautiful. You are strong. You know, you're going through anxiety, depression because you have been strong. And so now's the time for you to prioritize your wellness. Now's the time for you to prioritize your well-being and that you're worth it. You're worthy. So that's part of your identity you've never spoken before. And that's the identity of the beloved. So I wrote this book because I, the theme of this book is brokenness made beautiful. So mm, the parts of me that if it were broken, God is saying, you're beloved. Well, how am I going to know? I have to show the brokenness. I need to acknowledge it and find out how can I take better care of myself? What gives me joy? What gives me peace? I mean, those are questions that I never asked myself. It doesn't matter if I have joy. It doesn't matter if I have peace because I need to solve problems. I need to take care of others. I need to get with it. So those questions are the questions of our true identity, which is God's beloved. If you're God's beloved, those moments matter. If you're hurting, if you're lonely, if you're struggling, that that matters if, if we're beloved. So this book is about that journey to kind of God trying to show me that your identity doesn't just end when you're strong. Actually, it's when you feel broken. So that is the good news and why I wanted to write this book. And it's at the time it could have been perfect because I, I didn't plan it out two years ago when I got contracted. I had no idea we're going to be in a pandemic. And so everyone now relates to this. We all need space where we can just share our stories and say, this is what I'm going through, not be judged, not be given advice, not be thrown scriptures at, but to live the scripture. When we say, don't worry, God loves you. Okay. Rather than saying that, let's show each other God loves you by listening, by inviting each other into our homes, sharing a cup of tea and saying, you know what? That is a hard thing you're going through. I'm so sorry. That's terrible. Like have more pastries, you know, like come over here and like just talk. <laughs> yes. I am sitting here nodding my head. Yes. To everything you were saying. And it's true. It's so true. Um, man, the pursuit of the father's heart for us is a beautiful thing. And for those of you, you know, who, may um, struggle with what the father's heart looks like because of your earthly father. Bonnie is living proof and testimony that God can reach into our souls, right? And show us his love and give us freedom. You've overcome depression, anxiety, panic attacks, and it's turned into this beautiful healing journey where you're building a new legacy of faith for your children and their children. And um, that is just the power and redemption of God and the power of the blood of Jesus. Um, Bonnie, thank you. Thank you for coming on today. I had a ton of questions, but you answered them all without me even asking them. <laughs> it's just, I love your story. I love your heart. I love your faith. It encourages mine even this morning. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. You know, I think that's the key thing is that <clears throat> the, the legacy of faith I thought I was going to leave for my children was one of just strength, but God was showing me 
that the legacy I really want to leave for my children is rest. Mm. It's surrender. It's surrender to let them know, you know, no matter what you go through in life, um, you, we can rest in the father's arms. And I couldn't have passed that on unless I went through it myself. So um, I just, you know, encourage every listener to know that um, God does love us. And so we can be there for each other. And you're worthy to go down the journey of healing, of rest and surrender. So thank you, Mm -hmm. Holly, for the opportunity to be here with you and to share this message with uh, the women that I know are beautiful, are worthy of the love and care that they give to others, give so readily to their children. And yet God says, I see you. I don't want you to be last on that list. Wow. So good. Yes. Yes. Well, before we go, Bonnie, um, would you share with our audience the best place to connect with you? So your book released in October, um, but let's, um, I'd love for you to share with them where they can find you. Yes, um, definitely go to sweetlikejasmine.com. I have a free guided journal. These are the 27 questions I had asked myself on this journey as I went to try to find my father. And um, journaling is such an important way to um, kind of uncover those stories. And there's so many aha moments that I feel when I journal, God shows me. Like I start writing something in my journal. I'm like, oh, by the end of it, I'm like, oh, yes, God, thank you for reminding me of this, that, or the other. And so these are really healing questions at sweetlikejasmine.com. There's a guided journal. I invite you to you know go through this book and read it with your friends because I wrote this book. It's not just about me. It's about the journey every woman takes to try to find her true identity, all the aspects of our true worth that we kind of cover up. But yet God says, no, this is beautiful about you. And please follow me at Instagram at the Bonnie Gray at the Bonnie Gray. And that's where I just share things that encourage myself. And um, if I do share a reel, R-E-E-L, it's always about, you know, encouraging God's word, scriptures, things that help empower you. I'm really, really conscious of that um, because I used to work in marketing here in Silicon Valley and social media is that it's media. And so we sometimes forget that it's people basically trying to get followers. And so I'm very conscious of that. I want to make sure that whatever I post, it's encouraging to you to help nurture and support you in your identity as God's beloved. Beautiful, beautiful. Everyone go follow her. Um, And you have some recipes occasionally or some little cooking (laughs) that you do on there as well. I love that. (laughs) Wonderful. Well, um, thanks again, Bonnie, for joining us. And thank you for tuning in to the Exhale podcast. Uh, Join us next week as we launch a really special season for the holidays. Thanks so much for listening to the show. We are here for you. You can find me super easy at Holly A. Newton on Instagram and Holly Newton Official on Facebook. I'd love to connect with you and hear how the show is encouraging you. And let's help others find the show so that they can also be encouraged in their purpose and passions. There's a couple of ways you can do that. One by subscribing and another is by rating and reviewing the show wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. And two, you can even screenshot, share in your stories, text it to your friends and family. And be sure to tag me at Holly A. Newton on the socials so we can connect.